to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Timonini, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Tia Johnston. Tia, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is coming out on Christmas Eve. We are recording on Christmas Eve Eve, so Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I hope that whenever you are listening to this, that all of your shopping is done. Uh, <laughs> I finished up yesterday. Tia, what about you? Have you been getting all of last minute things all taken care of? I have a couple more stores to hit today. I always, I'm always a last minute shopper. I never get it done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for some reason, that does not surprise me. Um, <laughs> does not surprise me. We are going to talk about um, a number of Christmas things, a number of football things, uh, on today's episode, but as always here on Stick to Sports, we talk about the things around the periphery of Ohio State Athletics as well as the things that keep us distracted and entertained in between the games. And Tia, obviously the big thing to talk about when it comes to Ohio State Athletics right now is the fact that they will play in the Sugar Bowl, the college football playoff semifinals against the Clemson Tigers again. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, Tia, but I am tired of Ohio State playing <laughs> Clemson. I am just over it um i do not like them i do not like their fans i do not like their coach um i do not like anything about clemson um mm-hmm. I, that's i don't know what else to say about about clemson other than i just do not like them i mean i know we're gonna get to it in a minute but like it makes it worse that Dabo is their head coach like it sucks that we keep losing to them, but it would just hurt a little less if their coach was not such. A, you can say I don't, it. I don't. You can say it. Say it. Go ahead. What's in this? Jackass. Okay. I was going to go dick. I like the alliterative Dabo is a dick. Um, yeah. yeah that that just sounds like, better. It's one thing to lose to a team repeatedly, but if that person was somebody like. Nick Saban, who I, you know, he's a curmudgeon, but I actually you respect him. I respect him. I don't have anything against Nick Saban. Um, if it was somebody like I don't even know, you know, Mac Brown, uh, another ACC coach, like I, fine, I like Mac Brown. Or if yeah. it was, uh, I don't like Brian Kelly at, at Notre Dame, but like anybody else, I just as much as people think we should dislike Jim Harbaugh, I wrote an article this year. Like I don't dislike Jim Harbaugh. He's weird as all hell, but I don't (laughs) dislike him. He's just weird. Dabo (laughs) is a dick and that's all there is to it. Like there's no way around it. And I'm sure all the Clemson people will defend him and feel free. Um, you can say whatever you want about urban Meyer. I wasn't a huge fan of urban Meyer either. And people were very mad at me when I said as much on the pages of land grant Hoyland, but there's really no way around the fact that Dabo is a a dick. The, he's, <laughs> yes, he's a dick. I was going to go with a little bit something a little bit more poetic, but he's he's a pompous, self-important yeah. uh, hypocrite who likes to consider himself some sort of leader of men, but doesn't really care about anything or anybody that can't help him win football games. And I get that that's his job. Um, but I wrote an article over the summer. I would much prefer to have a Ryan Day than a Dabo Sweeney. Ryan Day obviously cares about winning football games, but he also seems to genuinely care about the human beings uh, in his program. I mean, this goes back 
years. This isn't new. Like, this isn't something new. We can go back to 2016, where Dabo Sweeney said, when talking about players kneeling for games, I don't think it's it's good to be a distraction to your team, to use the team as the platform. I totally disagree with it. I just think it creates more divisiveness in division. Of course, he doesn't think that these players, mostly black players, should use the team mm-hmm. as a platform for the things that they believe in, yet he is, the, some, he is somebody who actively promotes his personal religious beliefs inside his program so much so that he says that when people talk about it, that they are actually persecuting him for his religious beliefs. He baptized a player in an animal trough on the field of Clemson, yet he doesn't believe in other people using the team as a platform. Um, And, you know, he talks about um, stuff like with the Black Lives Matter protest, he eventually came out and did a speech uh, at a rally, which I appreciate, and I, uh, I am glad that he did. But he only did it after he was completely silent about the fact that one of his players accused him for covering up another pl- another coach using uh, a racial slur against players and not doing anything about it. And then the next week after that came out, wearing a t-shirt that says Football Matters, which is some sort of slogan Ugh. for an organization, I get it, but it's in really poor taste to wear that in the middle of the summer of 2020 when the Black Lives Matter protests have been were incredibly rampant, and he was at the center of being somebody who was not doing the right thing um it's that and it's talking about like (laughs) this is one of my favorites the only cuss words that are allowed uh uh uh, in clemson's program are ass damn and hell because those are words that are found in the bible except for ass that means something completely different in the bible damn and hell obviously have much different connotations in a centuries old religious text than they do in a football locker room, um, you know he's he's just I, I just, he's just a smarmy used car salesman, snake oil salesman uh, guy who likes to promote himself as somebody who is this ethical and moral beacon of 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 goodness when he actually doesn't give a damn about anybody uh, that can't help him win football games. You know, he says when talking about um, paying players, he said, as far as paying players, professionalizing college sports, that's where you lose me. I'll go do something else because there's enough entitlement in this world as it is. Entitlement? You're making millions and millions of dollars on the backs of unpaid, and if you want to say they get a scholarship, yes, they get a scholarship, so maybe they're paid in that way. Underpaid athletes, mostly black, and you are saying that they're entitled for wanting to have a fair shake. I just can't with this guy. And and Tia, obviously, uh, yeah. And then the last one. I'll go to the last one. He said, when talking about uh, when this first came up with Colin Kaepernick, um, he said, it's so easy to say we have a race problem, but we got a sin problem. What the fuck does that mean, <laughs> Davo Sweeney? What? I just, I just can't with this guy. And we're not even talking about ranking Ohio State 11th in the college football or in the uh, college football coaches poll. Like, yes, he's a dick and he does that specifically because he's an asshat and he wants to to take some sort of ethical stand on not playing enough games. Just screw you. This is another in a long line of assholishness. 
from the Clemson coach. And I'm just over it. And it sucks that Ohio State more than likely is going to go into that game as a severe underdog and probably lose. Um, Of course, I think Ohio State can still win and we'll have plenty of time to talk about whether or not they can win and how they can. But like they're a huge underdog in this game for for legitimate reasons. And I'm just so tired of Dabo's stinking face. Yeah. I mean, you said it all. And I feel like Clemson fans... Every time I put a headline about Dabo being a dick, I get the frequent Clemson fan being like, they're just butthurt and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it has nothing to do with you guys beating us. Like, this could be a coach of any other team. This could be not even a football coach. I He's an awful person. And you said, (laughs) like, he doesn't care about anyone but the, like, people who help him win football games. And I would argue even that like, he doesn't care about them either. He doesn't care about his players, which yeah. has been made obvious through all of his statements. And, like, all of these things that he comes out and says individually, like, you you might just be like, okay, that I don't disagree or I don't agree with that, whatever. It's not – it might not be a racist comment. It might just be, like, stupid belief, whatever. But together, like, the not paying players – the being against kneeling, not saying anything during Black Lives Matter movement, like all of these things together equal a racist, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, like, especially because it, I know that there are white players. I've seen this argument before, like football teams are not solely just black players, but they are predominantly, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the numbers, especially of the numbers of starters, you're going to get all of the, uh, you know, the the top talent that teams like Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama fight over. I mean, I would venture to guess 90 percent of those yeah. blue chip athletes are black. And For sure, sure. You, you're going to have a, um, a Trevor Lawrence, uh, of course, who's the best coach. Uh, quarterback in the country and he very well might win the Heisman Trophy this year and I wouldn't necessarily be able to argue with it sure but football teams are predominantly at least at the highest levels made up of black athletes and you're 100% right he he I said he only cares about people who can help him win football games I should have said he only cares about people who can help him win football games when they are actually just helping him win football games. Outside of that, he doesn't care anymore. Um, You know, and then he goes on to say stupid stuff like criticizing Florida State for not wanting to play a football game when his entire team flew on a private jet (laughs) with somebody who had tested positive that very day. Granted, they didn't get the result until after they landed, but why are you taking tests and flying on a plane when you don't have the results yet and then blaming Florida State for being scared? Florida State sucks. It didn't (laughs) matter. Like, they were going to lose anyway. Like, what? I just can't with this guy. And he's an ass. He's an absolute ass. If he goes on and beats Ohio State on January 1st, fine. His team will be better. It has nothing to do with that. I just can't stand the guy. He is pompous. He is arrogant. He's a blowhard. He's hypocritical. Um, He's a self-righteous egomaniac, and I just can't take it. I mean, just one last thing, and I think this just says it all because Correct me if I'm wrong, but I have not heard a word out of Ryan Day to the public. Like, obviously, there was that leaked. Come on, video. Demario. Like, <laughs> like, I pull for Demario. 
Demario, what are you doing? Maybe that's why he doesn't play. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) But, like, he hasn't said anything about his, what are they, 5-0? and Right? Did I get that right? 6-0. 6-0, that's right. 6-0 and team, how they should be in, and, like, maybe I missed something, but... If the roles were reversed and if Clemson oh was like five and one, if it was like still a Notre Dame loss, we wouldn't hear the end of it from Dabo about how his team deserves to be in the playoffs. Such we would hear hypocrite. something new every single day out of him. I Ryan Day is just heads and tails better of a coach and a man than Dabo is. I don't know about coach. He's 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 frustrating me lately as a well, coach. But as a human game, yeah. <laughs> and as a leader of men, I absolutely agree because when you had Dabo and Jimbo, which what is up with the Southern coaches with the stupid ass first names? <laughs> and then you throw in Dan Mullen. We're going to get so much hate mail. I'm taking my email address off the website. Um, no, don't. <laughs> when they were talking trash about about Ohio State's team after Ohio State won the Big Ten Championship game, they asked Ryan Day what he thought about all that. And he just said, look, I'm not going to talk about any other team. I'm going to talk about my team. That's the way you do it. And I get yeah. it. You have to politic and stuff. But like, what do you care? Like, I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, why did Dabo feel like it was necessary to talk shit about Ohio State only playing six games to rank them 11th? Like, I don't get what that helps him. Like, I don't think he's scared of Ohio State. Why would he be? They beat him. or uh, He's beaten Ohio State every time. I don't think he's scared of them. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I guess maybe it's a recruiting thing to say they don't belong, but like, I don't really think that's it either. Is it just because he has staked out this position as thinking that it's not ethical to have a 6-0 and team in there uh, against teams that have played 9, 10, and 11 games, and he's going to ride that you know, into the ground? I just don't understand what logic he has to make this a thing. Yeah, I mean, I would rather play Texas A&M well, if I were him, yeah. Yeah. So, but also like, yeah, I don't see why he would be afraid of Ohio State. And sure. it's not like just him ranking us 11th would have done anything for his case because he's literally, oh, I mean, besides Dan Mullins, like he's the only one saying it. So, yeah, I don't, I, I have no idea. He just, he just says things like, and you're just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Now, look, I've lived in the South for going on 14 years now. So I've been around many people that are just like Davo Sweeney, who talk out of both sides of their mouth, who try to present this um, this holier-than-thou attitude like they are the role models that everybody should aspire to be. Yet, when you actually take the time to dissect what is actually coming out of their mouths and the actions that they put out into the world, they are the antithesis of what they want the world to think that they are. And I am by no means somebody who is going to question anybody's moral character. I am as much of a horrible human being as anybody. But... (laughs) Dabo, I don't go around telling people that I am better than them. And that is essentially, without saying it in as many words, that is essentially what he does. And I'm just over it and I want him to go away. He's not because he's one of, if not the best coach in college football. I get that. Um, But I've never wanted a team to pull an upset more than Ohio State to do that. 
uh, in the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. Now, let's transition a little bit, unless you have any last parting shots, like literally shots at Dabo that you want to have before we move on to you. No, I think my last shot is going to be posting that hideous TikTok that he posted a long time ago just oh, yeah. to make everyone please. cringe again. <laughs> yeah, please. Let's do it. Um, so that brings us in, like, in terms of the on-the-field stuff, you, <laughs> due to some familial obligations, <laughs> you did not get to necessarily watch all of the Big Ten Championship game as closely as you normally do, but um, I know you were watching as you were trying to get things ready. What are your thoughts about this Ohio State team going into the Sugar Bowl? It's it's hard to compare because of how many guys we were missing. So sure. the only like reason I'm a smidge optimistic is because it sounds like we're going to get some of those guys back. I mean, most specifically Chris Olave. Sure. But and presumably I, Baron Browning as well. But the only thing is like I know the refs and all of that last year, but that team in my opinion was significantly better than this team and True. we still struggled a little bit. I mean, it was, again, the refs killed us, but, and I don't know how many players Clemson lost, but they still have Trevor Lawrence. And I'm pretty sure that's all that matters in the end. So again, it's hard to compare the big 10 championship game to the team that we're going to get in the sugar bowl. Yeah, they, um, Clemson lost, um, wide receiver, Justin Ross. So he's not there. They don't have linebacker slash safety, uh, Isaiah Simmons, uh, like they did last year. So like they, they've lost some people, but so is Ohio state. The problem is, and, and this is one of the things that Dabba was talking about, about why it wasn't fair for a six and O team to be in it is because they haven't had to do all of the physical beatings that, a, that a team that's played 11 or 12 games has. True. I'm not going to argue. That is a valid point. However, with all of the changes that Ohio State had to make, especially on defense, they have not had a chance to really do anything. It's been such a start and stop season, worrying about players missing with COVID, trying to get the right personnel groups in there, trying to adapt to a new defensive coordinator. Like they are as discombobulated as a team can be going into the postseason. Yeah. And I think that is going to hurt them just as much, if not more. Um, then whatever benefit they get from uh, from not having to go through the, the the physical rigmarole that you would normally have to deal with in a season. Like, look at the back end of Ohio State's defense. That secondary is a mess. Yeah. And normally, six games in, you've got a whole back half of a regular season before the Big Ten Championship game to figure that out. You could have made changes. You could have figured out that um, that you didn't want Marcus Hooker to be the single high safety. You could have decided if you wanted Ronnie Hickman to be in there a little bit more. You could have settled on a better rotation of linebackers where Justin Hilliard was playing more and Baron Browning and moved back inside a little bit to spell tough Borland and maybe tough Borland decided that he wasn't going to play the rest of the season. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I wouldn't be mad if it did. But, <laughs> you know, it's just like you haven't had the opportunity to see these guys on the field. And it's just that I think is the issue because I don't know how to to evaluate this team, Tia, like because I just don't know who they are. All of a sudden, over the last two games, Trey Sermon's running like 11, 12 yards a carry when we had basically all written him off for dead yeah. after the first four games. So it's just like, I don't know what this team is. Um, I think Harry Miller probably would have benefited a lot on the offensive line from playing the rest of those games. Um, I think Ryan Day, honestly, would have benefited a lot from having those extra games to get 
his game plans and his play calling a little bit under control because they have been a mess. And I've been tweeting about it during games for most of the season. I just don't understand the feeling that we need to have Justin Fields throwing the ball deep on every other play, especially when, as we've seen from the better teams on Ohio State's schedule, Indiana, Northwestern especially, but also you know everyone else, Penn State did it too, just sending everybody. You know Clemson's got enough guys to get pressure, whether they send a bunch or they just do it in a normal you know four-man front. Justin Fields is going to be under pressure. Maybe throw the ball short. I just, I, you know... Uh, going on, that's not what this show is necessarily about, but I just feel like Ohio State is at a disadvantage because of how many games they played, not an advantage. And maybe those, yeah. maybe the advantage and disadvantage equal out in the middle, but like this is not like, oh, I can't believe it. We got to the playoffs with only playing six games. That's a huge major plot. That's a huge major plus for the Buckeyes. I don't think that's the case. No, and I don't like that argument because. Like you said, it it is a bigger disadvantage playing less games because you can't work everything out. And I feel like Clemson enters the playoff fresher than every other team every year. They never play anybody. Like, Ohio State is constantly just killing Clemson as far as strength of schedule. So, for once, Ohio State might be a little bit fresher, quote-unquote, physically than Clemson. And Dabo can deal with it. But we, like, can you imagine Trey Sermon if we had those other three games, like where he'd be right now? And I doubt Ryan Day would have made those calls in the Big Ten Championship, especially when you don't have Chris Olave. Like, I I still don't understand those play calls. But, like, we would be, like, if I were Dabo, I would probably be advocating for Ohio State to be in the playoff. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I don't understand. Like like I said, I'm not going into this game necessarily expecting Ohio State to win. I picked them to win last year when Ohio State played Clemson, and I think they outplayed Clemson, to be honest with you, but they still lost. I I would be shocked. Like I think Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and basically their entire offense would have to be out for COVID protocols for me to pick Ohio State to win this game. But I think there's a chance. Like I think because I don't know what they are, like I think they could win. Um, I'm not going to necessarily pick them because I just I don't know. Like, I don't know who they are and I don't know what their best game looks like because I don't think we've seen it so far this year. Hopefully, like the bulletin board material and the chip on their shoulders like carries them through. Let's just say that if Ohio State wins this game, you are going to want to check LandGrantHolyLand.com for the (laughs) T-shirt for the T-shirt design that we will be releasing as soon as the game's over. I'm just saying. So just be ready. You won't regret it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. is uh just the day before christmas as this is being released so i just wanted to check in with you what is your favorite christmas movie or tv you know holiday special like when it comes to the things that like you remember fondly as a child or something that's a little newer that you um have 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 really fallen in love with what would that be 
for you? So tradition-wise, and like what we have to watch every single year are those creepy claymation movies. Like Santa Claus is Coming to Town, A Year Without a Santa Claus, Rudolph. Like those are my favorite Christmas movies. Frosty. No, Frosty is animated, but it's still kind of (laughs) creepy. So those definitely are like a must. As far as like a newer movie, I really want to say The Holiday. And I know that's not like an outright Christmas movie, but it's one of my favorite movies ever with Cameron Diaz and Jude Law and Jack Black and Kate Winslet. I could watch that like any time of year, but for some reason I always have to watch it at Christmas. Well, yeah, it's it's the holiday. Oh well, um, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, those those and uh, those old claymation and animated specials. You know, the the Grinch, which is animated, obviously. Yes. Um, uh, I love the 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 frosty one. I will walk around at all times of year just saying "Happy Birthday," <laughs> um, because why not? Um, yeah, so. I love those. Those are those are probably it to me. Even the even the peanuts one. Um, those are oh, always that's a good. Classic. More modern ones. I don't know. Die Hard. No, is that not? Count I've never. A- okay, Cam's like dying to watch that. I've never watched it. I don't know what it's about. I haven't either. How is it a Christmas movie? It's set on Christmas Eve. That's it. It's not a Christmas okay. movie. And that's the thing is, I've never seen it. So I, I'm just saying. Just because a movie is set on Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas movie. Um, this is true. You know, like I can set a movie on Arbor Day and that doesn't make it an Arbor Day <laughs> movie. You know, like it's just that's not how this works. If the point of it isn't Christmas and I don't want the mental gymnastics of saying, well, he's it's all about trying to get, you know, to reunite family and all this. No, stop it. It's about <laughs> Bruce Willis fighting a terrorist who's kidnapped somebody in a big bill. It's just stop. No, I don't want to watch that at Christmas. That's what I heard about. Yeah, it's got the guy um, from uh, Harry Potter in it, though, who died. Oh, gosh, what is his name? Um, Oh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman is in it. So is Reginald Vell Johnson. Do you know who he is? No. You might know him better, although you might be too young to know this reference. Um, you might know him better as Carl Winslow from the TV show Family Matters. Carl Winslow. Oh my God, you are such a child. <laughs> he was the okay. dad. He was the dad on Family Matters. Do you know what Family Matters is? Yes, I do. And I'm looking at him right now on Google, and I know who he is, but like I would never know him by his name. Remember, I can't. I don't know names. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I would go with you, the 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 Grinch. If I had to pick one, I would say the Grinch. Like that's it. And I I don't watch any of the subsequent like Jim Carrey's. Yeah, like the subsequent like live action ones or the new animated ones because they did an animated one with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch doing the voice a couple years ago. Um, yeah. The musical's not very good. Um, so yeah, I I think I'll just stick to the originals. Give me Boris Kar- Karloff and and I'm good for that. Yeah, the Jim Carrey one is pretty funny, but not as good as the original. No, never is. <laughs> All right, so let's um, let's finish up this week with our recommendations. Uh, Tia, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um, I can go first. All right, go for it. So I'm kicking myself because this was going to be my recommendation a couple weeks ago, and then I kept like stumbling upon new things, but I feel like it's timely 
not for a good reason, but okay. um, John Mulaney's stand-ups on Netflix. Oops. Yeah, oops. That's a lot yeah. Well, I just... The reason I want to bring it up is because I feel like, especially with Robin Williams and then, like, we keep hearing about Dak Shepard, like, all of the happiest, funniest people are just... They just always shock me with their problems. And I know Robin Williams is much darker than this, but, like, John Mulaney checking into rehab, I was flabbergasted. Like, he is one of the happiest, funniest guys on social media and in his stand-ups and his shows. And I just, I sent it to all my friends because we're like obsessed with him and everyone was like, what? So if you haven't already, definitely check out his stand-ups because you'll understand what I mean when like, he's just so upbeat and they're hilarious. So Have have you watched um, Oh Hello on Netflix? Is that the animated? No. He did a cartoon. Okay. Yeah. Um, him and Nick Kroll have that. They've been doing this bit for years, like a decade called Oh Hello, where they play two old men from New York and they turned it into an off Broadway show and then it transferred to Broadway and they called it Oh Hello on Broadway and they filmed it um, and they did it. Um, and they put it on Netflix, and I have not seen it. I have um, friends who just absolutely rave about it, and they always it's this these two cranky old New York guys. Um, but <laughs> it's it's very funny. It played uh, the Lyceum Theater from September of 2016 through January of 2017. They always have a special guest at the end of it and uh like they do they interview them um so i won't spoil who's in the one that was actually filmed um but they play um 70 year old new york roommates gil Faison and george st geegland and they're just it's very funny like i've seen them do bits but it is uh, a very very fun um thing that everybody loves like i said i haven't seen it so i would recommend that if you haven't seen that as well yeah, for sure. I'm looking at pictures of them now, and it's already funny. <laughs> yeah, just ridiculous, horrible costumes. They they don't look like actual old people. No. <laughs> but it's very, very funny. So, all right, I'm going to stick on, a, you know, because it is my want, I uh, am going to stick with something that's semi-theatrical, um, um, because over the weekend, last Friday, Netflix, sticking with Netflix as well, released a film adaptation of the play Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It stars Viola Davis as Ma Rainey. Um, It also features um, Chadwick Boseman, and this turned out to be his final film performance ever. Um, This was filmed last summer, and of course he died um, this past August while it was in post-production. Lots of awards consideration um, for Chadwick and for Viola because... She's the greatest living actress in the world, in my opinion. Um, so it's great. It's based on a play of the same name by August Wilson, who is one of the greatest uh, playwrights of the 20th century. It's part of what's known as the American Century Cycle. August Wilson, who is a black playwright, um, wrote 10 plays, mostly set one in each decade of the 20th century. Um, almost all of them, this one is an exception, but almost all of them are set in his native Pittsburgh. This was actually filmed in Pittsburgh, even though it's set in Chicago. 
um, and and um, Denzel Washington has committed to producing a film of each one. This is the second one. He previously done Fences with Viola Davis, for which Viola Davis won an Academy Award. Um, and this is the second one. The rest of them are going to come uh, on Netflix. But it's it's a great great movie. I just watched it this morning because I'm going to be talking about it um, on Broadway radio in a in a podcast that's getting released on Christmas Day. But in addition to Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman, it also features uh, Coleman Domingo, who is amazing, uh, Jeremy Shamos, who's great, Michael Potts, and Glenn Turman. Now, I don't think you've gotten this far in How to Get Away with Murder, Tia, but Glenn Turman plays Nate Leahy Sr. You have not gotten that far, I can't imagine yet, have you? Nate, I imagine, dad. Yes, it is Nate. Okay, no, I am Nate Leigh, he's a big character from the beginning. Um, yeah. His dad comes in it in the later seasons as well. I won't spoil anything from there, but okay. Glenn Turman plays him. And because it's a tradition, uh, I interviewed Glenn Turman last year, just a, uh, uh, I think, days or weeks, I think. I can't remember exactly. After they finished filming this movie, and he just raved about working with Viola Davis and the rest of this crew. It is an, a, an amazing cast directed by George Seawolf. It's a great film. It's an hour and a half. It's sad. It's not happy. Um, but it's a great, great film and probably going to get a ton of awards consideration. So uh, my recommendation is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Ma Rainey is an actual, like, she's considered the queen of the blues. Like, she's a real legitimate person, um, a historical figure uh, from the 1920s. So... Chad Chadwick Boseman's final film, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix. Yeah, I saw a preview of it because, like, as you said, we're into how to get away with murder. So anything with, with Viola of Davis, course. I'm like, need to watch it. Got to watch it. Like, I loved yeah. her before, but now I'm just like huge fan of her. She's the best. Like, I have said this for a while now. Amazing. Like, she's the greatest living actor in the world. Like, I look, Meryl... I, you're great, but you're not Viola Davis. <laughs> no. Viola Davis has an Academy Award for for Fences, as I mentioned. She has an Emmy for How to Get Away with Murder. She has two Tony Awards, also one for Fences, also for King Headley II, which is also another August Wilson play. Like she is like she never doesn't deliver. And I've started to put Regina King in there as well, because Regina King um, is doing some of the same stuff uh, on both uh, the big screen and on television. So, but Viola Davis never doesn't just blow you away. She's just absolutely incredible. Yeah. She's, she reminds me of like when you read interviews from actors and actresses where they say like they got so into their part that they couldn't come out of it or like lead normal lives after the movie. And I feel like that's how she plays her roles. Like she just becomes that person. Yeah, but here's the here's the thing with her like I, she is not somebody who I consider to be like one of those method actors like Christian Bale or um what's the guy who retired? I can't remember who's married to Arthur Miller's daughter. I can't remember. But like she went to Juilliard. Like she has a graduate degree from Juilliard. Um, and she's just like, I think she's just somebody who is really good and who just seems like a normal person. Um, yeah. Other than the fact like the news came out. <laughs> I can't believe I want to mention this earlier on Wednesday before we were recording. I saw a story that um, her and her husband take nightly baths together, which is I mean, whatever. <laughs> do you? Um, it's a little weird, but whatever. Um, but she just seems like such a normal, good person, intelligent, smart 
Um, I'm I'm just a huge fan, and this is a, a film that will probably wreck you in a lot of ways. Um, I didn't I didn't find it as affecting as Fences was, which I thought was one of my top five favorite films ever. But it's it's a really good film, and it's also a tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who's actually probably the lead. Um, in a great way, you know, to kind of culminate his career, unfortunately, um, since he passed away from cancer just a few months ago. Yeah, that's a good wreck. All right, that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land's Stick to Sports podcast. If you are finding us on the website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. And if you like our particular brand of weirdness, head over to Apple and uh, leave us a five-star rating. Don't leave us any coal. We don't. We don't want any of your. <laughs> we might be on the naughty list, especially after our uh, Dabo tirade. But uh, leave us five stars. Um, if you want to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter, you can do so at Land Grant Thirty Three, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt Tia. Let's do your litany of uh, social media accounts. <laughs> at Tia Johnston underscore for me. At Buddy and Bella underscore for my dogs. Just posted a new video there and it's adorable. Go check it out. And then my store at Antiques for your home. No underscores there. Um, Tia, Merry Christmas. Um, We will be back with another show next week as we get into the uh, getting ready for the new year. But everybody out there, if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If not, happy winter solstice. Um, (laughs) But Thank you for the 12 and a half of you that listened all the way through just because of how much we hate Dabo. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.